Hey everyone, welcome to a special bonus episode of the Center for Congregations podcast. I'm Ben Tapper, and I'm an associate for resource consulting here at the Center for Congregations out of our central office in Indianapolis. Today, I'll be joining my colleague Kate White as we interview Pastor John Stangy to talk about the importance of tech volunteers. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Kate White. I'm the Associate Director for Resources at the Center for Congregation. I'm so pleased that we have a special guest today, Pastor John Stange. He's out of Core Creek Community Church in Pennsylvania, and he knows all about tech. He is a podcaster, and he's going to talk to us today about tech volunteers. So, Pastor Stange, we are now many months into the pandemic, and we are looking for people to run our worship and have people know what they're doing. So I wonder who can be a tech volunteer? Who are we looking for to help us run things in our congregations? It's interesting because just a year and a half ago, two years ago, when I would talk to people about tech volunteers and getting tech set up in their church. Some people thought it was valuable and some people thought, eh, this isn't really necessary for a church. And to watch people scramble when it became immediately necessary and when it was basically the only way we were connecting with our congregations, it was kind of fascinating to see how all of a sudden a whole bunch of people thought, no, this is valuable. This is important. And so finding those volunteers is certainly important. And I found in the context that I serve in, we were starting from scratch in 2008. So every person that holds a position had to be started from scratch. I didn't inherit anybody that was that was doing something. It's a church plant. We were starting from scratch. And a few things that we've noticed that are helpful when we're trying to figure out who can be a tech volunteer. I think one of the basic kind of baseline things that needs to be there is that first of all, they're not intimidated by tech and learning new tools. And what I mean by that is I have a member of my family who every time an iPhone comes out, buys the new iPhone, but never takes the time to learn what it does. And I'll constantly tell him, I'm thinking, why do you buy this? And he always says, oh, well, you know, it's supposed to be a good phone. And I say, well, you're afraid to figure out how to use it. (laughs) And so I think in a congregational context, you want someone that's not intimidated by tech and learning new tools. They don't need to know everything. But I think that they need to at least be not automatically intimidated by it because that kind of gets in the way sometimes of people being willing to learn how to use some of these tools. And I always look at it this way. These are things that were made by people. They were made by people, which means people can figure out how to use them. They're not impossible to learn. So if you could kind of get over your intimidation. But then I would say also having just a a general interest in things like computers and software and and equipment can be helpful. But I don't think there needs to be some sort of long list of qualifications. I think it's just a willingness to learn. So a teachable spirit and just in general, not being intimidated by technology, not looking at it and freezing up. Can you talk about the level of intimidation? Because I think any sane person would be like, wow, something can go wrong in this scenario. I'm not sure I want to put myself in that situation. Right. So is there some leeway where you as a pastor are saying, you know, Eric, I think you'd be great for this, but Eric has some trepidation. What level 
of understanding and how much encouragement do you give someone to say, would you really please be a tech volunteer? Well, there are some people that if I brought that up to, they would just freeze up and shut down immediately. And so I have learned not to ask people to serve in areas that they are predisposed to just hate. (laughs) So if you can bring this up to someone and they seem flexible enough and may even say, yeah, I I don't know a ton about that stuff, but okay, you know, show me and let's see how we do. I think that person is more likely to be a good choice because one of the things you don't want to do is spend a whole lot of time trying to teach somebody something and then have them shut down the entire time they're doing it, which makes it so hard for them to listen that they're not really grasping it. And then they do it a few times and then hit a roadblock, especially during a service, and then quit immediately afterward. Because I've had that where we've invited people to serve in specific areas. And it wasn't even tech. It was in a different area. And they seemed like they would be good at it, but had to be talked into it a little too much. And then as soon as they received a little pushback or a little difficulty, they quit. And that's pretty demoralizing when you have people quitting all the time. And so I think it's probably wise when you're trying to set up things with volunteers that you select somebody that you're not going to put in a position where, you know, two weeks after they agree to do it, they just step down from it. Sure. So there's some natural aspect to if you're a volunteer, you want to be a good fit with your gifting, as well as if you get that body reaction from them. of Absolutely not. That's a good (laughs) indicator. We'll find another place for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. So I grew up in a congregation that had your standard kind of volunteer that ran the soundboard, right? I feel like a lot of congregations are familiar with that person. Sometimes it's multiple people. We all had a soundboard person and I think uh, maybe a camera person later on once we got a camera going. And I'm, I'm aware is like the plethora of options expands regarding what it means to do tech, especially as we get into more hybrid worship scenarios. Do you think it's useful for congregations to be thinking about volunteers for specific areas of tech? Like these are audio volunteers. These are visual volunteers. These are software volunteers or hardware volunteers. Is that a useful distinction or should they just go off kind of the proclivities of the people that are volunteering? I think it could be absolutely useful, especially as we're trying to do multiple disciplines. And if your church is growing and if your church has a variety of people in it, I think the longer people are in a church, the less they just want to sit there and stare. You know, if your congregation is, you know, just trying to do different things, you don't just want a whole bunch of people that observe. People have a desire to participate. So if you do have different areas like that, that you could plug people in, I look at it in our context and I think my goal is to have as many people with a thing they do as possible because it gives everybody an ownership piece. So one of the things that is different about what we've done over the past year and a half is we've really increased our video capabilities. Prior to that, we had very limited video capabilities. We were already live streaming prior to March 2020, but we weren't doing it as well as we're doing it now. So we ended up buying much better camera equipment and we have multiple angles that are available now. And so the person running the cameras can be switching from one angle to another. And that's relatively new for us. And so I've noticed the amount of people sitting back in the sound area over time, it's gone from one to two to now there's, I would say most Sundays, maybe about four people back there. And so we do have somebody that is adjusting things on the soundboard and we do have somebody that's looking at computers and we do have somebody that is monitoring cameras. And even at times I've noticed during our worship services, I'll see somebody go up and adjust where one of the cameras is pointed. So they'll walk to a different camera 
if whoever's on stage is not being quite as static as they thought they were going to be. And so all of a sudden they're adjusting where that thing is pointed. And so you can't have somebody on the soundboard having to run to a camera doing different things. You can't do that very easily. It's certainly possible, but to your question, I definitely think it's better if you have some specialists that, all right, this Sunday, I'm the camera guy. This Sunday, I'm the software guy. This Sunday, I'm the sound guy. But I also think it's nice if they each kind of know each other's job and can fill in for each other and can help out in a pinch. But I do think it's useful to have people trained in certain disciplines. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate that response. It makes me think about pastors who feel that, wow, we've gotten live streaming down. I want to take it to the next level, add another camera. Let's do this fancy work so we can impress people at home. But how do you balance that quality production with your ability to recruit volunteers? Because as you add another camera, is that a second, a third, a fourth volunteer person every week? It could be, but one of the mistakes I think a lot of churches make and a lot of congregations in general make is that their sound and tech starts drifting toward complexity and they forget the fact that the people running these things are going to be volunteers in most contexts. So there are people that professionally do these things. So the person that is our tech director in our congregation he does this professionally. And in fact, people hire him to get systems set up for them. And he runs all the tech for a local university. So, I mean, that's pretty high level that he's doing this stuff. And one of the things I joke with him about all the time is don't let this drift towards so much complexity that we can't plug a volunteer into this because he has a professional brain and he gets where I'm coming from. And he realizes that because he has to lead a team of volunteers. And so that would be one thing that I would say, you know, resist drifting toward complexity. But another thing I would also say is accept that you're not going to produce a perfect product. So if you're a perfectionist and you really just want to see everything exactly right, I appreciate you because I'm also a perfectionist. But one of the things that I have to say to myself frequently with the things I'm working on, and I think it applies to church tech and congregational tech, except that you're not going to produce a perfect product, especially if you're dependent on volunteer help. And if it's your expectation that it's a perfect product, you could actually demoralize your volunteers by demanding that sort of thing or giving a response to them that's less than enthusiastic when you see what's produced in the end. Sometimes the transitions aren't going to be as smooth. So what? Sometimes, you know, they might miss a cue with putting lyrics up on a screen or something like that. It's okay. They'll fix it. You know, let it be good, but don't expect it to be 100% perfect all the time. Remove that expectation from your mind and try your best to keep things simple for the volunteers. And the way I would even say that it's useful to do that is to stay focused on the main needs of your service. So there's probably going to be a singing aspect and there's probably going to be a speaking aspect. Right. Those are the two things that you're probably going to see when you're putting together a service, depending on what your congregation looks like or your worship context. Stay focused on those main needs, because sometimes when these things drift toward complexity, you have people saying, all right, now when we make our transitions, we need to make sure everything on the screen is frozen. So we need to have a switcher that freezes everything and then we need to bring the lights up and we need to do this. And sometimes I look at that and I think. That's a lot of complexity for a one second transition. Does that really matter in most contexts. 
I would say in most congregational contexts, that stuff doesn't matter. And sometimes we could get so deep in the weeds that we start thinking, oh, those transitions need to be perfect. No, they can be good. They don't have to be perfect. And you don't have to make everything so complex that you've now, you've basically made it impossible for a volunteer to get plugged in. But I would also say one other thing related to that. Churches are trying to figure out and congregations are trying to figure out where it's best to invest their money when it comes to software, when it comes to equipment. And I would say it is worth spending the money on software and other tools that will simplify your production. And to spend the money that makes it so it's not hard to plug volunteers in. Sometimes people spend the money in such a way that they box themselves in where you really only can have a professional run it because it's so complicated. And then people are thinking, oh, I might break this or I might do a bad job. Spend the money with a mindset towards simplicity. And there are tools out there that make life really simple in the sound booth and are not hard to learn. You know, we've all learned how to use Facebook. We've all learned how to use MacBook computers and and our iPhones and everything else. Well, some of us have. <laughs> I can't use a MacBook. I'm not even getting in front. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> but you figured out how to use some sort of a computer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the point being, these are things that the developers of these tools over time, it used to be really complicated to use some of these things. And they've realized if we want to appeal to a wider audience, let's make this simple. Well, if you're the one making software purchasing decisions or hardware purchasing decisions, make the decision to spend the money on the thing that makes it easy for a volunteer to get plugged in. Simplicity sounds so nice. Yes. Yeah, that's super helpful. What are some of those tools that you use that you find are simple enough for volunteers? So some of that, I would have to turn you over to our tech director to actually, you know, start giving you brand names and stuff like that. But I could tell you in general what some of these things do. And then they would, you know, your listeners would have to follow up on some of that. But we have purchased money on software that makes it very easy to acquire lyrics for songs, even on the fly. Because sometimes our musicians will say, you know what, I wasn't planning to do this song but I feel like this is something that really fits with today's message. And so let's just sing this one. And so all of a sudden I see our sound booth scrambling saying, wait, we don't have lyrics for that one. So a few years ago, we purchased software that allows you to grab those lyrics and it automatically generates slides related to them. And, and you could put it right up on the screen. I forget off the top of my head what the name of that is, but I see what it does every Sunday. I've also noticed that recently, since we're doing live streams, one of the things that we were doing is we primarily had just one image on the live stream, but some of the feedback we got was that that people wanted to see the slides that I was putting up on the screen behind me in a separate pop-out window. And so our tech team looked into what it would cost to be able to make it so that you could have like a separate window in that screen that had my slides or even the the slides of the musicians. And I think it cost us like $200 to get the software that made it easy. And I think to myself, okay, that's not ridiculous. I mean, it's not free, but it's not ridiculous. And to make a useful worship experience for people that aren't with us in person, I thought it was worth it. And here's the ironic thing about all that. Everything we've spent, it all has a price, right? And some of it can be expensive. But I have noticed over the past year and a half, our giving has drastically increased. And I think it's because we are being more intentional about trying to figure out ways to serve people. And the more you really put that extra effort in to serve people, 
I think sometimes people show their appreciation by going out of their way and supporting what you're doing. So the funds have come, you know, the funds have come to help actually facilitate this. I mean, one of the biggest expenses we had was getting those cameras and really increasing that. That was thousands of dollars, but then people supported it because they appreciated the effort. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I'm wondering, you know, if you can talk briefly about what it means to take care of your tech volunteers. You know, I think treating those that are volunteering their time is extraordinarily important (laughs) and there's best practices and not so great practices at taking care of volunteers. So can you speak to what you've learned about what it means to really take care of and honor those that do volunteer in this field? Yes. And I could speak from the side of having goofed that up a little bit and not taking good care of them and figuring out that they are vital and need to be taken care of and trying to figure out ways to improve it. So I think one of the best things we can all do for our tech volunteers is when something goes wrong during a worship service, all turn back and stare at them at the same time and just wait for them to figure it out while staring at them. They love that. (laughs) Yeah, I hear they love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just kidding. But, you know, it happens in every context where something goes wrong. The entire congregation turns back to the sound booth waiting for them to fix it. Right. Uh, So all you tech volunteers, we hear you and we see you. Sorry that we do that. It's instinctive. We're trying to work on that. But I'll tell you one of the things I goofed up. So in our context, we really have tried to be frugal for many years because this was a church plant that we were essentially starting from scratch. And so we're 13 years into that, but I'll be honest with you and say that the first 10 years of that, our budget was very slim. Our budget was very tight. And from time to time, our tech director would say, hey, we have a need for this, a need for that. And I would kind of just rely on him to find the castaways from the university that he worked at that, you know, to kind of meet those needs. And over time, I started to realize that's not going to work. And I remember at one point he asked for something specific and I was so used to being frugal, AKA cheap, that I didn't really jump on that request. And I actually noticed after a few times of him saying it, that it was irritating him that we hadn't done anything about it. And I apologized to him and I said, you know what? Mm -hmm. I don't think I was taking your request seriously because I'm so used to you just finding scraps from the university that we as a church plant could utilize and just kind of acquire either inexpensively or free in most contexts. And so you said that you had a need and we really should have jumped on it and I'm going to fix that now. So that would be one thing. Be apologetic if you've been dismissive. If they say they have a need, even if you're not really convinced that they have a need, but yet they're serving in that department for free Sunday after Sunday, weekend after weekend, week after week, you know, they're doing that and they say they have a need. Even if you don't think it's a need, I think sometimes just spend the money on the need just to show your tech volunteers that their opinion matters to you. And it probably, what they're requesting probably matters in a way you haven't thought of, but they're neck deep in doing what you're asking them to do. And it would be nice if you just communicate to them that you value their opinion. And sometimes valuing their opinion means you just buy the piece of tech or the software that they think you need. So I think that that could be a part of it. But another thing is, I think another way you could show them that you value them, there's a variety of ways. You can acknowledge the work that they do before the congregation. So just acknowledging it from time to time and saying thank you, being easy to work with and appreciative and giving them feedback after a service that goes well, not just feedback after a service where there may be glitches. And from time to time, you know, one of the things that that we've been trying to do, my wife and I have been trying to look at some key volunteers in the church and just saying in our context, 
you know, let's go out to eat with them. You know, as, as strange as it may be, my wife and I, we have a date night every Friday night. But on occasion, what we've been saying is, let's invite this person or this couple to go out to dinner with us and just spend time. Sometimes it doesn't have to be something just in the tech world that you do that shows some level of appreciation. You know, one other thing I'll throw into that, everybody that works in tech seems to appreciate new tech toys. They love it. You know, even before we were getting our thing here going, we were talking about microphones and our preference for microphones and things like that. So Ben and I were chatting about that just a few minutes ago. Yeah. And I would say that it can be really fun for your tech team if you upgrade equipment from time to time, especially if you get the thing that they like using. (laughs) So that's a way you can show your tech group that you appreciate them. Those are a few things, at least in our context, that we've attempted. I hope our tech group feels appreciated because we'd be pretty stuck without them. Yeah, as are most congregations. So thank you for sharing those tips. I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah, that's wonderful. Is there anything that you want to leave people with? I'm thinking about the small congregations out there who maybe have their spouse running tech. Yeah. What would you recommend for them as far as finding additional volunteers or just really caring for those people who are already doing the tech work for them? You know what I've found as far as finding additional volunteers that works better than you would think? So we all dread having a problem during a live worship service. You know, if you're going to have a problem, you hope that it happens before or after, but not during the service. But I've noticed that those problems can be great opportunities because there are people in our context, even people that have been relatively new to the church, that when we have a problem, they feel compelled to get up from their seat and go back and offer themselves to help figure it out so that we could get things going again. And that's where we've actually found several new volunteers because most people would look at a moment like that where you're having a glitch of some kind and say, oh, I don't know what to do and just kind of freeze up and just hope somebody else can figure it out. And then now and then somebody jumps up from their seat and runs back toward the sound booth to help get things squared away. And there's some new people on our team that we found that way. It's like, oh, wait a second. You know stuff about this. You have just revealed yourself to us. And so we're finding that sometimes a problem during a worship service could be a wise way to find a new volunteer. So they're going to give themselves away sometimes. <laughs> I love that. Stepping up to meet a need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Pastor Sangi. I've learned so much, especially how important it is to thank our volunteers. So if you're a tech person out there, thank you so much for making this happen for our congregations over multiple months, through multiple weekends, how you've sacrificed time, perhaps with your families. Thank you. We see you and you are important. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention my colleague, Ben Tapper, who does so much more than technology, but he knows all about our podcast as well as Matt Burke, who's our education director. Matt, as well as Ben, they do resource consulting. So we work with congregations to help them think through some of these tech challenges or volunteer challenges. We are funded by the Lilly Endowment and we serve Indiana congregations. So we are happy to speak with you if you want to give us a call or send us an email. We also have the Congregational Resource Guide. It's an online search engine where you can search at any time. Just pop in something like Church Volunteers and hopefully you can find some information from people like Pastor Stongi. It's been good stuff, Pastor. We appreciate you. And uh, we hope this conversation is helpful to those that are listening. Well, it was great to be with you guys. And thanks for the work that you're doing to help congregations out. We need the help. So thank you.
We hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you need any assistance, please feel free to reach out to us at podcast at centerforcongregations.org or at info at centerforcongregations.org. Remember, you can always find good resources at the CRG, which is T-H-E-C-R-G.org, and just enter in a search term, and there's all kinds of resources available for your congregation. We want to thank Jaden Lee for sound editing and original music. And as always, we want to thank the Lilly Endowment for their generosity in supporting us as we serve Indiana congregations. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.